for those who have served well, God's word proclaims a reward. It's interesting that no reward was mentioned for the overseers. It's only said that oversight is a fine work. The previous seven verses ended instead with a warning that overseers who are pastors, who are elders, who are examples to the flock, that overseers not fall into the condemnation, reproach, and snare of the devil. But here, at the end of this text, verses 8 through 13, for those who serve in a special way, the apostle writes, not of the reputation these ones must have, but of the reward these ones will gain. They obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. What an encouragement this is for the church. What a gift of God's grace. So what service is this then, if done well, leads to such a blessed reward? And as we hear this text, we notice that this service is not spelled out for us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 does not list the works of service to be performed. Although, as one commentator put it, we may read between the lines. The only commands in this text, the only instructions, the only imperatives are given in verse 10. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve. First be tested, then let them serve. But no other command is given. No list of duties, no operating procedures. Why, Paul, have you not written of the works required? After all, we want to know what must be done. That's how we think, isn't it? It's the flesh, not the spirit, that thinks this way. We hear a text like this with a list of expectations, and that's where our minds go. We revert to our self-centered, self-glorifying, legalistic tendencies that deceive us into thinking that our reward is a result of works rather than God's grace alone. And instead of a list of do's, we hear an echo of the apostle in another place saying, a man is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, before we impose a list of do's on those who serve in the church, let us first pause and remember the gospel let us see this text and hear this text with eyes and ears that have been shaped by the gospel. Our reward is never gained through works of the flesh, but only by grace through faith. We don't deem a person as faithful by measuring him or her up to a checklist of expectations or works. 
The person is faithful because of the presence of Christ, because of the enabling grace of the Holy Spirit, working salvation on that person's heart. Don't miss that. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, and all that it lists out for us does not contradict the gospel of the grace of God. We need to hear this. I need to hear this. The reward promised for serving well is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The grace of God is what compels his servants to serve well. So a list of works are not given. Instead, this text focuses not on what these servants do, but on who they are in Christ Jesus. They are diakonus, diakonoi, deacons. We know this text is in part about deacons, for this is the first word of verse 8, beginning this new section. It's a plural word. That means there are many. Deacons. But this text not, is not only about deacons. For look with me at the last word, bookending this passage. And let's ask ourselves as we look at it, do we want to know what deacons are all about? Do we want to know what service in the church points us to? Do we want to know the kind of works deacons perform? And the last word answers these questions resoundingly, not with a plural noun, many, but with a singular name, one. What is that name? Say it with me. Christ Jesus. And in each division of this text, we'll see a word about faith. Brothers and sisters, if we encounter this text and walk away thinking about deacons, then this sermon is a failure. We've missed the point. For this text has one purpose from beginning to end. Deacons have one purpose from beginning to end, to lead us all to faith that is in Christ Jesus. James writes it this way. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. This is the ministry of deacons, showing sincere faith through service in the name of Jesus. If this text were only about deacons, then all but about six deacons could just check out. Tune out and not pay attention. But this text is not only about deacons, it is about faith, the faith that is in Christ Jesus 
And this text is for all of us. For faith is at the heart of the apostle's concern as he writes to Timothy and to the church. Faith is one of the most repeated, recurring words in this letter known as 1 Timothy. The apostle urged Timothy to remain at Ephesus to protect the administration of God, which is by faith. Paul writes, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere what? Faith. Paul grieves that some in the church have suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. God desires his household, his church, to be a household of faith. And God desires that faith to be living. God desires that faith to be visible. And genuine faith is visible through godly service. So our text tells us that deacons hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Women or wives are faithful in all things. Deacons obtain great confidence in the faith. Church, this text exhorts us all to give attention to the deacons. And by giving attention to the deacons, we are actually learning about faith and the real, tangible presence of our Lord Jesus, who said, I am among you as the one who serves. The first verses teach us that faith can fail. Faith can fail. Look with me again at verses 8 through 10. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. All three verses point to a reality about faith. Faith can fail. Jesus said this to Peter, calling him by his fleshly name, Simon, Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Church, we must pray for our deacons and sacred servants because faith can fail. And we don't want them to fail. And the worst way of failing is to hold to a phony faith, to have a faith that is not genuine. So in verse 8, the apostle instructs Timothy and the church that deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fun, assorted gain. Notice the word likewise. Deacons are likewise to what? Likewise to the character of overseers who are pastors, who are elders, who are examples to the flock. 
Deacons are not overseers, and overseers are not deacons. Both are different groups serving different functions in the church, but both are likewise in character. They look very similar for each highlight aspects of Christ's love and care for his church. Most of these words describing deacons are the same descriptors of the maturity of Christian character for appointed service in Christ's church. The word deacons is a masculine noun. That is, the apostle is clearly speaking about men when he writes of the diaconate. And we know that God's design from creation is that men are to be spiritual leaders in the home and in the household of God. The same is true in the appointed service of the church. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity. The word deacons is like the word baptism. It's a transliteration of a Greek word into our language. We don't say at someone's baptism, often, I immerse you or I plunge you in water or I wash you, which is what baptizo means. We say, I baptize you. It's a transliteration. It sounds the same. Well, diakonus or diakonoi, deacons, is a word that is found in many other places in Scripture and is translated as ministry or service. Deacons are ministers. They are servants. Simply, the word deacon in Greek means one who serves. And while there is a biblical sense in which we all are deacons, broadly speaking, as servants of Christ, this text narrows the focus to a group of men, elevated as examples of faith through humble service. Therefore, they must be dignified. That is, God's grace has fashioned the behavior of these men in a way that is respectable and honorable and of good character. This is the positive descriptor on this list. The next three words are qualified by a negative. Deacons likewise must be of men of dignity, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not fond of sordid game. The knot carries on to each one of these three. So here are three things. Deacons are not to be. And here are three examples of how faith can fail. Faith can fail through words. Faith can fail through wine. Faith can fail through wealth. Deacons are not double-tongued. This is a rare word, double-tongued, but it means that deacons are not gossips. They do not reveal or repeat what is to be kept secret. They do not speak in two directions at the same time. Implied is that deacons speak as entrusted stewards of words that need to be held with integrity. And so with the faith of Christ, deacons speak what they mean and do what they say and know how to keep what is entrusted to them by way of words. They can control the tongue, and this is evidence of faith. Deacons are not addicted to much wine. 
Self-control extends to all areas of life, and this is speaking of the present. Deacons relate to people, and by the grace of God, they are controlled by the Spirit, bearing testimony that their desire and devotion is to their Lord, to Christ and his kingdom. Deacons are not fond of sordid gain. That's a mouthful of words, isn't it? It's a fancy way of saying that deacons are not greedy. They are not dishonest. They are not shameful. Implied is that deacons may have some responsibility for distributing funds given to the Lord through the church and putting those funds to work through acts of service. But by God's grace, they serve with honesty and humility, gaining greater faith in Christ along the way. Brothers and sisters, if faith cannot fail in these ways, the apostle would not have written about these expectations. Surely on the ground in Ephesus, the faith has failed among those who are to serve above reproach. We know faith can fail so easily, and indeed all of us have failed because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 14.23 tells us that whatever is not from faith is sin. Deacons remind us of the gospel of God's grace and for forgiveness. For verse 9 says, But holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Deacons hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That is, deacons make known the power and the forgiveness of the gospel. Mount says it this way, the word mystery refers to knowledge that is beyond the reach of sinners, but has now been graciously revealed through the gospel. This is the mystery of godliness spoken of in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Come back next week. That sinners become saints through the redeeming work of Christ. That's what deacons are a testament to. Romans 6.23, we know it well, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Deacons do not represent an unachievable perfection, no. Rather, deacons testify through their character and service about the person of Christ and his work on our behalf to save. Deacons, through their example and service, extend a constant invitation for all to turn from sin and turn to Christ, receiving his gift of eternal life by faith, the same faith that transformed their own hearts. Deacons are witnesses that we need not be what we once were. For by God's grace, we may be born again and walk anew in the power of his resurrection, freed from sin, freed from dead works to serve the living Christ. Therefore, verse 10 gives these commands. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. With every test, a person either passes or fails. 
The faith of a deacon must be tested first before serving. Notice the words, let them serve. This implies an authority over deacon service. Let them serve. There's an authority over deacon service. That is, deacons do not serve under their own direction. In fact, deacons are not given any authority in Scripture. Diaconate is not an authoritative office in the church. The diaconate is for service as stewards of what they have been entrusted with. Given its placement in the text, it is obvious that deacons fall under the oversight of the overseers, who are elders, who are pastors, who are examples. And this makes sense. For as the overseers keep watch over the big picture, the church's doctrine, the teaching, the protection of the flock, the care of souls, the stewardship of God's resources. Overseers are free to oversee because the details are cared for by the godly deacons under their direction. Deacons must first be tested, then let them serve. And in this way, deacons follow the way of Christ, who also was tested and found faithful. The specifics of this testing are not given but the intended result is these men must first be tested, then let them serve as deacons. Here it is. If they are beyond reproach, that is a deacon by God's transformative grace is without accusation of wrongdoing concerning the character and nature of service required. While this is very spiritual, it is also very practical Scripture offers some non-negotiables, but it also allows for flexibility. The church of Jesus Christ, as we know, finds expression in many local fellowships in all places and cultures. And while the basic human problems are the same everywhere, sin, sorrow, death, some of the specific needs vary. The way funds are used varies. The makeup of each body and needs associated varies. So there may be some flexibility in how the diaconate is deployed. And that may change with the needs of each local church. These first three verses remind us of what we know all too well. Faith can fail. But deacons hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience as those who are first tested. Then in verse 11, the apostle speaks about a different group who are not called deacons. They are called women or wives. And to help us remember this teaching, I suggest this phrase, faith can forget. God desires for faith to be known in all things. Not just in some things, but in all. And for faithfulness in all things in the church, deacons need help. And the church needs help that deacons alone cannot provide. And so scripture deploys another repetition of the connecting word, likewise, to now address women or wives. The women 
or wives are likewise to be faithful in all. Look with me at verse 11. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Brothers and sisters, as it relates to service in Christ's church, it requires both men and women to be faithful in all. Certainly, faithful in all speaks to the character of a woman helper, faithful in all. But also the context speaks to the comprehensive nature of faithful service in the church, faithful in all. Why would the apostle speak of the need for women to be faithful in all if women were not needed in service? Women are not only needed, but essential for serving the body of Christ. The word women may legitimately be translated either as women or wives. I say this because we may have multiple Bible translations here in the room. And there is a split in how the translations translate this word. It's used both ways in this letter. The word is translated most often as women, unless context clearly favors wives. Bible translations differ on which translation to use. Scholars debate which translation to use. An honest preaching of this text has to conclude with humility, that the text isn't clear who exactly the apostle is writing about when he addresses the women or wives. You may have your own preferred interpretation, but as Bible expositors, that's not how we study, interpret, or imply Scripture. We don't make Scripture say what we want it to say, but we say what Scripture actually says. Is the apostle writing about women helpers like Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, who is commended to the church in Rome as a sister and called a deacon in the church, which is at Cancray? Or is the apostle writing more narrowly about the wives of deacons? And if so, elevating wives into a special place of service in partnership with their deacon husbands? The answer is not textually clear. But the principle is not lost. The apostle is addressing a group of people in verse 11 who are clearly not men and who are clearly not called deacons here. But they are women or wives who are sincerely needed for service in the church. In the church, both men and women are needed to be faithful in all. And this is why I say that faith can forget. There could be neglect. This is why they they need to be faithful in all. It can be forgotten and even overlooked that some of the services needed are most appropriately and best served by women, serving other women. To neglect this may be to neglect the faith for all. Think about baptism and how needful it is for women to serve other women as they prepare for baptism. 
Paul's very careful to warn against any appearance of sexual immorality. Women are needed to help serve women. Do we forget that many women followed Jesus during his earthly ministry and witnessed the events of his life? That women were even found present and watching when things got tough and all the men fled. It was the women standing and watching at the cross. It was the women who were present to see the empty tomb. It was the women who first declared to the men, we've seen the Lord, he is risen. All of this to say that if we are not careful as a church, we can forget and overlook what God saw in creation and made gracious provision for to return to the creative theme that it was not good that man should be alone. Genesis chapter two, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Literally a helper opposite of him or a helper corresponding to him or a counterpart. In creation, the man's form and nature are matched by the woman's as she reflects him and complements him. Together they correspond. In short, she has everything that God had invested in him. It is an ungodly and unbiblical statement for a man to say, I don't need help. To say such a thing is to contradict the word of God. As men, we want to say that. As men, we often say that. As men, we nearly always regret saying that. (laughs) But if we would simply return to the word of God, we'd read that when God looked at man, God the creator said, not good. Man needs a helper. And God created woman meant to serve as a helper in marital union with her husband and under his headship for service. And the same observation from creation applies also to the body of Christ, the church. It is not good for deacons to serve alone. They need helpers. And certainly and primarily those helpers are the wives of deacons. The wives of deacons protect and reflect their husband's character, reputation, and testimony. The next verse clearly supports this view of the family. But even if this text refers to women helpers and not wives who assist the deacons by serving the needs of other women in the church, the point remains, without the ministry of God-given helpers who are women, the ministry of the church comprehensively fails. So in brief summary, the apostle reminds the church not to forget the women who serve and thus those who also need served. Verse 11 again says, women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. To the women in likewise manner, the scripture says, by God's grace, they are to be faithful in all things, thereby reminding us not only of their character, 
but also the comprehensive needs for service in the body of Christ that women are uniquely able to help through their service. So what is prohibited by way of teaching or exercising authority over men in chapter 2 is now balanced with permission by way of serving alongside the men in chapter 3. This text is not negative or prohibitive. Here it is positive. Women or wives are clearly connected in some way to an official service in the church such that their character is to be evaluated in a likewise manner as that of a deacon. And to the women, they are to be faithful in all, that the church's faith not be forgetful, and all the needs are met in the name of Jesus. Faith can fail, faith can forget, but returning to the word deacons, the scripture declares for us that faith can flourish. Our text says those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And this faith, as already expounded in previous sections, flourishes first in the family. Verse 12, deacons must be husbands of only one wife. That's the same word as in verse 11. And good managers of their children and their own households. We think again of the family. It's a repeated theme The family is the proving ground of faith, the place where overseers and deacons are first tested and formed before serving in God's household. The home is where faith works first and then spills over into the church. Deacons then are faithful first to their wives, their children, and their own households before serving as deacons in the church. The apostle concludes in verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is the reward. This is the gift for faithful service for those who have served well, a high standing and great confidence. Not all deacons serve well. Again, faith can fail. Faith can forget, overlook, neglect. But for those who do serve well as deacons, they gain a boldness in the faith. And not just any faith, but the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And the faith of the church is likewise strengthened as the confidence of these servants is strengthened. The deacons The women or wives help us to see Jesus through their godly character and humble service in Jesus' name. Our text naturally leads us to Christ. And this is the Christ conclusion. Faith can fail. This speaks of our flesh and sin and our need of God's grace. But when we look at deacons, And women or wives serving by the enabling grace and power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, we see the gospel in action, having been worked first in the lives of those serving in faith 
and made visible through their deeds of faith. We see a living testimony of the living Jesus building up his church. Jesus, who came in human flesh but did not sin. Jesus' faith never failed. Jesus suffered in our place for our sin to fulfill perfectly the stewardship he was entrusted with by his Father. The plan of God for salvation of many who by faith trust in him. Jesus was tested and found blameless. And by his death on the cross and burial in the grave, Jesus was a faithful servant to the end, faithful over God's household as a son. And God raised him up to life again so that our service and worship to God may be free of sin. We might have eternal significance in all that we do by faith in his name. Faith can forget. It speaks of the need for righteousness in all things. Christ is our righteousness, and Christ makes us one. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And as God brings man and woman together as one in holy marriage, as husband and wife, God also brings men and women together to serve as one all the needs in the church so that none are neglected and righteousness prevails. Christ is our righteousness who forsook all worldly pleasures so that by his service we may stand cleansed by his blood in his Father's presence and inherit all spiritual blessings with him in heavenly places. Faith can flourish. This speaks of coming judgment What confidence will you have when standing before your creator in the day everything will be tested in judgment? That day of judgment is coming soon, far sooner than yesterday. Our deeds will be examined and tested, the scripture says, by fire. What will remain? Will you be consumed? Deacons reveal to us the gospel message that the quality of our work, the reward for our service, is evaluated by our faith, not our works, our faith in Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hear the word of the Lord for those who have served well.